We're going to be looking at a passage in Philippians. You can open your Bible to Philippians chapter 4. And we're just looking at one verse. One verse today. Verse 5. Now, on, on your outline, I actually, uh, some of them I, I printed uh, from papers that had already been used to recycle papers. So the, the slide that you're looking for it says, Gentleness. Okay. But um, I, I hope at some point I get to kind of finish this because I mean I, we started working through you know, verse one and we're all the way up to verse five and this I'm not going to really be able to complete this as a, as a series but the um, this passage is about being steadfast in the Lord says in verse 1, so stand fast in the Lord. And he goes on to talk about how you can be stable in the Lord, have a firm footing in the Lord. Maybe one of these days I'll be able to talk to you about uh, kind of the culmination of this passage. Paul actually says that he's content in any situation. He actually has the secret of contentment, which is a really amazing uh, thing, considering the fact that he was in prison when he said that statement, and he was happy. He had joy. We, we talked about that joy. It comes from being in the Lord. And actually knowing your final destiny, your salvation, and having that relationship with God and being grounded in this life. You can have happiness, you can have joy in your life, and you can be content. But today we're going to talk about gentleness. Who here has ever heard of Abigail in the Bible? Abigail. She makes a brief appearance in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 25, and yet she makes a, a really uh, a good name for herself. She's a godly character with wisdom, and specifically she has gentleness. And Abigail diffuses a potential crisis between her husband and David, King David. David had been exiled. He was on the run, and Saul had a bounty on his head. And so he finds himself camped out next to the estate of Nabal, who is Abigail's husband. And as he's there, he's a very wealthy man with a lot of livestock. David and his men were literally in, in uh, survival mode. So they're hunting and gathering food, and they're foraging through the forest, whatever, to just... Uh, survive. And as he's there, it says that he actually took care of Nabal's estate. He, he, didn't, he wasn't reckless with it. He actually, I don't know exactly all that's detailed there, but he probably hunted off a fox that he saw it coming the way. But he was, uh, he was a neighbor to Nabal. But David requests that Nabal would return that same kind of neighborliness, that kindness, that honesty, because David could have easily justified in his mind that perhaps I, I in, in, my, in light of my situation, I could take from Nabal's flock and forage through his field, but out of honesty constrained him. And yet, Nabal returns his kindness and his honesty with scoffing at David and taunting him, which sends David into a furious rage so that he's mounted and ready with his army to go destroy Nabal and his in his entire estate. And this is where we meet Abigail. Abigail intercepts David 
and she brings him a nice cooked meal, some some baked goods, and brings him some some. Uh, she speaks to him softly and speaks to him with the honor and dignity that he deserved. And consequently, she diffuses the situation. And David thanks her later for having uh, kept him from doing a, a very evil and wicked deed. And then it was ten days later that Nabal actually dies. The Lord comes and strikes Nabal dead. So David's anger is pacified, and the wisdom and the gentleness of this lady actually brought about um, a good thing. So today our passage speaks about gentleness. In Philippians 4, 5, it simply means this. Let everyone come to know your gentleness. The Lord is at hand. I'm going to pray. Father, I just ask the Lord that we would have this kind of wisdom and gentleness of Abigail, Lord, that you would teach us, Lord, how to be restrained in our tongue and soft in our speech, kind, gentle as doves. Father, I pray that you would help us now to understand and Lord, that by your spirit you transform us from one degree of glory to another to gain our Savior Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. So today I want to talk to you about gentleness and how gentleness is a godly characteristic in that it, it diffuses anger and can diffuse a, a potentially volatile situation, preserving harmony and preserving peace. Now, again, the context here is being steadfast in the Lord. It says in verse 1, Therefore, my beloved and long-for brothers, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my beloved. This is a, if you're going to be stable amidst chaos, amidst a chaotic world, you begin with your stability in the church. These, these primary relationships, this is foundation, foundational to you. Uh, and he gives... Yodia and Siddhashe as a case study of how to resolve conflict within the church in verses 2 to 3. So he begins with relational stability in the church, and then now he's on to emotional stability. How are we going to find joy amidst chaos and crisis? How are we going to be strong emotionally? We're going to have joy in the Lord. Here it speaks of your gentleness. And then he's going to talk about Prayer, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and petition, present your request to God. So it deals with the emotion of anxiety through prayer. You've got to bring those things before the Lord. It speaks of emotional stability. And then in verse 8, he speaks of uh, mental stability, you could say. Uh, focusing your eyes on the Lord, understanding his sovereignty over all things. Focusing on the good aspects of, of any given situation. He says, think on these things. And he lists a bunch of things that you should think on. It's dealing with your mental stability. Again, we're, we're talking about now, here, your gentleness. Your gentleness. Now, in my translation, MEV, it says, let everyone come to know your gentleness. The King James Version actually says, let everyone come to know your moderation. ESV says, 
that everyone come to know your reasonableness. So which one is it? Gentleness? Is it moderation? Is it reasonableness? What does is, what is the apostle have in mind here? Well, recently I went on a road trip with my uh, family, and we drove through Nebraska. And, um, because of the size of our family, we don't go out to eat that much. And it was obvious the kids were kind of surprised about how to order off of a menu, especially my youngest son. I, I know he's been to a restaurant, but I don't think it had been in quite a while. So he's like, what is this lady doing carrying around a notepad and asking our reporters? But when it came around to his, his time, she said, you know, sausage, bacon, or ham? And he said, yep. <laughs> you wanted all three, right? Yeah. You wanted the whole package. And I think that's actually true of this, this word, this Greek word that not, nothing is all encompassing with an English uh, parallel to it. There's no English parallel, but, but the word in Greek actually it codifies all of these ideas. It brings them all together. Gentleness, reasonableness, moderation. It means to be uh, cool-headed, to be calm and collective, means to be meek, gentle, reasonable, not easily agitated or harsh. A gentle person is not a troublemaker or a rebel rouser. He's not trying to get under your skin or find out where the, the boiling point is. And He's not looking for controversy or trying to stir up a fight. But he rather diffuses anger. And his goal is restoration. But the goal of gentleness is peace and harmony and righteousness. So this gentleness can be defined as uh, not being brazen or volatile or proud. And it's, it's about being calm and cool and collective, reasonable, moderate. So that's the definition of gentleness. Second, the command to be gentle. Consider with me a few verses. Proverbs 15:1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Proverbs 15:18. A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger appeases strife. Proverbs 25:15. By long forbearing is a prince persuaded, and a soft tongue breaks the bone. And then here in this context, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, Let nothing be done out of strife or conceit, but in humility, let each esteem the other better than itself. So it's very clear that the Bible commends that a Christian be gentle. And it not only commends it, but it commands that you not only should you be gentle, but you ought to be gentle. This is the disposition of a, of a Christian. This is their character. It's their nature. And so Paul actually illustrates gentleness for them here in this context of Philippians chapter 4. Uh, chapter four. Paul, he didn't merely talk to talk, but he walked the walk. And Paul models gentleness in the way he speaks about this conflict that had arisen in Philippi between Yodia and Syntyche. He begins by endearing words to the entire church. He calls them, my beloved and long for brothers, my joy and my crown, so stand fast, my beloved. 
And he's, he begins with this gentle speech, this, this soft uh, speech in his adoration for them. And he affirms them in love. But he goes further than that. He actually um, wants to diffuse this situation of unions and shame. And he says um, that they labored and they were his, his fellow laborers for the gospel. In this uh, difficult situation of, of ministering in Philippi, which is no friend of the gospel and no friend of the Christians, these women had come alongside the Apostle Paul, and they had also come alongside each other for the sake of evangelizing. And they had a history together. And he reminds them of that history, how they, they stood together, shoulder to shoulder, for the advancement of the gospel. And they prayed for each other. They tended to each other's needs. And they have a, a deep history and affections for each other. Whatever differences they have now, that history that bound them together should still bind them together again. They are bound together in the gospel. These, these are the things that were most dear to their hearts. And whatever difference of opinions they had, nothing surpassed that great love and affection and value that they shared of the gospel of Jesus Christ in sharing that light with others. So he shifts their focus away from the, this heated conflict to a better time. He says, remember your history together. And let your, your uh, he's, he's calling them to let the reminder of that stir them up to have affection and gentleness amidst this conflict that they're having. So he further actually admonishes them to gentleness when he commands them to be, have joy in the Lord. And you see that joy and gentleness are actually married. These two walk hand in hand together. Joy and gentleness. If you're a joyful person, you're a gentle person. If you're a gentle person, you're a joyful person. And they go hand in hand. And so, um, a Christian is to be gentle at all times. Paul, the apostle, illustrates this for us very nicely. He, he looks for ways to encourage then he looks, by example, he's teaching us how we can encourage one another. We can speak softly to each other. How we can be encouraging and gentle. He uses affectionate words to round off the hard edges. He brings a, a glass of water to cool the fire. And so that's the illustration of gentleness. Now the scope of gentleness. It says, let Everyone know your gentleness. This is not the kind of thing that you should turn on and off depending on who you're in a conversation with. This is for all people at all times. This is to be the, your characteristic to even those you don't like or you disagree with. Even your enemies. says, let everyone know your gentleness. Now, just one qualification, if you're in combat, you should not be gentle. All right? The gentleness uh, is for the sake of, of uh, avoiding a conflict. And, you know, if so, there's a perpetrator who enters into your house at night, it's not the time to be gentle in that moment. It's actually, you're not going to be able to avert the crisis because the crisis has already come. Right? 
And so if you had an opportunity to perhaps, hypothetically, you could meet this person who's about to rob you, and ahead of time you could use gentle, persuasive speech and try to talk them down off that ledge, or maybe they're going to hurt somebody else, that's the time you can be gentle. But when you're in the midst of a crisis, you're in the midst of this conflict, that's the time not to be gentle. Then you're to be a fierce warrior. So this goal of gentleness is to diffuse the situation and to avoid a crisis. I think um, particularly men might struggle with this idea of being gentle. Uh, I know especially thinking back to the teen years, you want to be the tough guy. And men, they value being macho, right? not particularly appealing to be known as being gentle, but we want to be known as being aggressive and tough. But if you think about the people who are, are really, really tough, aren't they also really gentle? Uh, I, I think of actually uh, David, who's got to be the toughest guy in the Bible, and probably the toughest guy ever known in history. David is who slayed the giant, just would conquer and fight. And he, he, was, he was a man's man. He was a tough guy beyond, and yet his words were so affectionate. His words were so soft and gentle. And I think the, the reality is tough guys, really, really tough guys, they don't have anything to prove, do they? They can be gentle. They don't need to prove that. God is gentle. Think about that. God is a warrior. God, there, there's nothing stronger or tougher than God, and God is so kind and gentle to us. In, in the person of Jesus Christ, he is gentle towards those who are his enemies. He stooped down. He was too humble towards us. He spoke soft words of affection. He's called the Lamb of God. And so, gentleness, um, it, you can be the toughest guy in the world and still be gentle. And so that's the scope of our gentleness, though. So at all times, and all of us, everywhere, we are gentle. We're to be known for this gentleness. Our God is gentle. And gentleness is it's characteristic of a Christian because it is characteristic of our God. And we have nothing to prove. So we're known for our gentleness indiscriminately with all people who are undeserving, those people who are who curse us, who actually try to get a rise out of us. Actually, I'm reminded of uh, Shimei, 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 I think. It's just a, a foul mouth twerp who literally curses David as David is coming back from exile. You know, he should have been honored as king, and this guy just curses David. This says nothing. He just walks on by. He lets it roll off his back. That's how we are to be. That's what we're supposed to be known for is this kind of grace and humility and gentleness and patience with people. Now the motivation for this gentleness, why do Christians not need to retaliate when they're wrong? It says here in our passage, verse 5 again, that everyone come to know your gentleness 
The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. The reason you don't need to be aggressive, you don't need to take revenge on your enemies, the Lord is at hand. All wrongs will be made right. But you need to have patience. You can take the load off yourself of having to judge every situation and and bring about the the consequences of those things. You can let the Lord be Lord, and you can wait patiently upon Him. This is, I'm speaking to myself, because I'm the guy that likes to search out things. I mean, I guess partially as a daddy, you're supposed to do this, right? You're supposed to find, get to the bottom of everything, right? Honestly, there's many times where I, I just can't get to the bottom of things. And there's a, there's a uh, principle that's codified in our, in our legal institutions that says, innocent until proven guilty. Why is that? Why do we have that? Because the Lord is at hand. We would rather see justice take place in eternity than to accidentally impugn somebody who has done no wrong. Right? Because we understand that there is a God and that we don't have to have justice here and now. Because the Lord is at hand. So that that Lord can turn because of it, we can endure, we can be patient, we can be calm, and we can be gentle in a conflict. Turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 10, real quick. I just want to look at a passage with you. So that after you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise. For 
And yet a little while, he who is to come will come and will not wait. Now, the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. So these pressures were causing some of these Christians to, to draw back and return to their own their old way of life. That he's encouraging them to keep looking to the Lord. The Lord is coming. And so you can suffer patiently. You don't need to keep tabs of every wrong that's been done against you. You leave the matters up to God. Because the Lord is at hand. Now I'm going to close here with, a, with some application. First, um, you need to learn tolerance. Now, when I say tolerance, uh, you might have the wrong idea. Tolerance has been hijacked in our day, and today it means something very different than what it's ever meant in the past. Today it means you must accept every harebrained idea, no matter how stupid it is, right? Or how uh, ungodly it is, or offensive it might be. Every truth is true, so they say all, all people's opinions are valid, but that's not true, right? There's an objective truth, an objective right and wrong. Um, that's not what I mean by tolerance. I mean it tolerance according to the old definition. Um, when people have a difference of opinion, you're still kind to each other. You're still gentle, right? You're, you can still maintain cordiality. It's this ability to let things roll off your back. <clears throat> So, you know, be warned, be aware of the fact that because you believe the Bible and that you believe this objective truth, that you are going to come across conflict in this world, but you need to, to respond in such a way that it doesn't bring offense and doesn't uh, immediately cause you to, to fly off the handle or start pounding your finger on the table and demanding that people agree with you, right? We present the truth, but um, we don't need to go any further than that, right? We have tolerance of different ideas. Our, our, our goal is, is just not that we are able to actually um, convince somebody to change their mind, but just to present the truth and let God deal with their heart. So that's tolerance. Be persistent in the truth, but don't be combative with the truth. Contend for the faith once for all deliver the saints, but don't be contentious. When you're contending, don't be contentious. Proverbs 19.11 says, The discretion of a man defers his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. We're not keeping tasks. Romans 12.18, If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And so, learn to tolerate. Second, learn to leave. Now, you know it's time. you got to pick up on the cues. You know it's time to leave the room when you see that vein beginning to pop out of the forehead, right? Or the eyes begin to bulge. <laughs> or their face turns red. Right? you got to pick up on these cues. It's better to return to address the situation later after the, the anger has been diffused. 
after the, the passions have settled. Proverbs 22, 24-25 says, Make no friends with an angry man, with a furious man you will not go, lest you learn his ways and get a snare to your soul. So you don't want his flame to, to stoke your fire and get you all caught up in these passions. So learn to leave. There's a time just to exit and come back to it another, another day. Learn to listen. Asking lots of questions for clarification. Say things like, what I hear you saying, and then try to repeat back it in a summary kind of way what you think they're trying to communicate to you. Learn to listen. Maybe perhaps you even go so far as to ask them if they can give you an article, uh, something, uh, a book to read, so you can better understand their position. Uh, and then once you've gone thoroughly to, to understand their position, you can more accurately pinpoint those areas where they were wrong, or you might discover that they were right. Right? Or you might discover you were both wrong. Or you might discover that they weren't so wrong, right? There are situations where, depending on the context, your family dynamics or uh, who knows what, the school you go to, there's a difference of opinions that's acceptable, right? And so um, we're not talking, obviously, matters of doctrine. Again, I'll remind you that if this conflict that existed between Yodi and Sintashe was a matter of doctrine, we have the doctrine expert in the room here. He's not actually in the room, but he's writing this epistle. He's the one who gave us the doctrine. He was inspired by God. He was, in that, uh, uh, he was sent of Jesus Christ as a means to be an apostle for the sake of actually penning the New Testament for us. If it was a matter of doctrine, he would have just said, Yodia, you're wrong. Siddhisha, you're right. Or Siddhisha, you're wrong. Yodia, you're right. Or probably more likely, you're both wrong. And then he would have presented that accurate doctrine. But this was a matter of, you know, um, should we homeschool the kids? <laughs> uh, you know, um, should we have a clock in the sanctuary? Some sort of opinion that it caused a rift between them. But learn to listen. Hear people out thoroughly. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. Don't be known as a know-it-all. Learn to listen. James 1.19-20 Therefore, my beloved brothers, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. Get a control over our tongues, get a control over our minds, listen for a while, try to come to understanding. Fourth, learn to pick your battles. Some people have a dog in every fight. Learn to pick and choose your battles and save your, your fight for when the, the time actually counts. Battle for for things of the Lord. What, what you, when the Lord returns, what do you want to see him, him to see you battling for? The, the clock in the sanctuary? Or, um, do you want to see you battling over where you're going to have the church picnic? There's a time to fight, right? I mean, you want to save up your fight for certain situations, 
Mike has actually told me one time that you've got only a bucket and a quarter in your pocket. And each time you engage in a conflict with somebody, you've spent that quarter. Pretty soon you're going to run out. And that's the way we got to view this. I mean, it's not saying we, we shouldn't end any, any kind of disagreement with people, but, but we need to be careful. We don't want to become known as overly opinionated about every little detail, and therefore be discounted by everybody because you're known that you have a reputation for being contentious. So spend, spend it wisely. Learn to take your battles. Romans 14.1 Welcome him who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of arguing over opinions. Don't be opinionated. You don't want to be discounted for being an argumentative person. Fifth, learn to prioritize. Got this illustration from Mike as well. He's been very helpful in helping me learn gentleness. He says you're cooking a meal. There's always one pan burning. So you might have four different things on the stove, one thing in the oven, and one in the toaster. And at any given moment, you need to not tend to the other four things on the menu, and you need to give attention to that one thing that's starting to smoke in your pan. Right? And that's how it is with, with different battles. There's battles coming from every direction, and you need to figure out how you're going to prioritize these things, and what you're going to give attention to. What's, what's cooking hot in that moment? Learn to prioritize. Listen to this. 2 Timothy 2, 24-26 says, The servant of the Lord must not quarrel but must be gentle toward all people, able to teach, patient, in gentleness, instructing those in opposition. Perhaps God will grant them repentance to know the truth, and they may escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So we ought to be known for this gentleness and self-control, moderation, reasonableness, Known as good listeners. God has a reason to hold grudges against us, right? Does God do that? No, he's gentle in Christ. He didn't blast us for every offense. He's not grounding and pounding us. He shows us mercy day after day behind us. We want to have this towards others. So I ask in closing, are you holding grudges with people? Are there certain people, as you pass by them, you don't look them in the eye? Or perhaps you sit intentionally on the other end of the room? Let me just say that there's no grudges in heaven. And when we're all sitting together at the master's table, you can't be holding a grudge against your brother who's sitting directly across you. The Lord's not going to separate you two and put you at opposite ends. And so if there's no grudges, no conflict in eternity, ought we not, ought we not have peace and unity within the church now? Ought we not strive towards this and maintain this unity now? To learn to tolerate differences and to learn how to work through differences of opinions. And be gentle amidst that. Heaven's not filled with conflict and leadership of the church. And so, 
There's no grudges in heaven. We need to work towards unity and strive towards us through our gentle nature. So with that, I'm gonna I'm gonna pray. Father God, I just want to thank you for this day, God. Another day of your grace, another day of your mercy. Thank you for the gentle Lamb of God who did not come to crush us to drive us out of Lord, but who came to save. And God, I thank you for this time of worship and fellowship with my brothers and sisters here. As we bond these dear, dearly beloved believers together in Christ. Just uh, ask that you to be with us today, Lord. Remind us of your presence always. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to close with a, with a benediction. Numbers 6, 24. you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 All right, your excuse.